Early Christmas morning, December 25, 2013, Darren Spivy and his teenage son, Dylan Sanchez, anxiously headed out to the Eagle's Nest sinkhole to test out the brand new dive gear that they got for Christmas. Hours pass and Darren's fiancée, Holly, is unable to reach the pair. Growing more and more anxious, she finally calls local authorities and reports the two is missing. What happened to Darren and Dylan? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex and welcome back to another episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. This week I'm covering a story that's really close to my hometown. About 45 minutes north of where I grew up is an area called Wikiwachi. It's a very popular location. Wikiwachi Springs State Park offers a great way for visitors to cool off in the cold spring waters during the very hot summer months. You can see live mermaid shows, rent kayaks and paddleboards, and if you're lucky, you'll be greeted by some manatees swimming through the rivers. I actually got to dive inside the mermaid's tank when I was doing my scuba certification course. At 11 years old, nothing was cooler than being allowed to swim where the mermaids were. Directly north of Wikiwachi, you'll find one of Florida's most notorious caves, the Eagle's Nest Sinkhole. From the shore, it looks like an ordinary pond, but beneath the surface, it's shaped like a sink and with a long, rocky drain that descends into a system of underwater passages, it reaches a depth of 300 feet or 91.4 meters. Since 1981, at least 11 people have died while diving this cave system. From 1999 to 2003, there was actually a ban at Eagle's Nest, making it illegal to dive at this location. However, cave divers lobby to have it reopen, and if you visit this area today, you'll notice multiple warning signs. A large sign sits above ground near the surface of the water and it states, quote, Cave diving in this area is extremely dangerous, even life-threatening. Do not dive unless you are a certified cave diver, end quote. Underwater, a plaque with a similar message is posted alongside a picture of a Grim Reaper. But on December 25th, 2013, the underwater plaque had not yet been installed, and Darren and his son Dylan entered the cold spring waters, excited to use their new equipment. They arrived to the site, and a hunter in the area saw them suiting up at about 11 a.m., when the hunter returned later in the day, at about 6.30 p.m., he noticed that the diver's car was still there. By 7 p.m., Holly hadn't heard from her fiancé, Darren, and was growing more and more worried. Since Holly isn't a diver herself, she called some of her friends and family, letting them know that she hadn't heard from Darren or Dylan yet. Should I be worried, she asked them. She tried calling them multiple times, but they haven't picked up at all. Finally, at about 7.30 p.m., Holly called 911. 
She drove over to the wildlife refuge and noticed Darren's car was still parked in the lot. Hernando County Sheriff's Office responded to the call by sending out certified underwater emergency recovery divers Eric Deister, Robert Brooks, and Matthew Vinzant. The search began around 8.30 p.m. and not long after the bodies of the two missing divers were found. Are you searching for a new true crime podcast to listen to? Then search no further than Military True Crime Addict. David Kokish walks you through a plethora of actual military true crime stories that have never been reported on by news outlets or media. Each episode features a detailed account of true crime that in some way relates to our military, veterans, and their extended families. There will also be an abundance of episodes on serial killers with a military background that you will not believe. Military True Crime Addict provides a voice to victims so you can hear their side of the story and it raises awareness for the terrible crimes and those most impacted. You don't need to know anything about the military to enjoy this podcast, so what are you waiting for? Go listen to Military True Crime Addict now. Darren Spizzy was found at a depth of 127 feet, or 38.7 meters, and his 15-year-old son, Dylan Sanchez, was found at 67 feet, or 20.4 meters. After recovering the bodies, the investigation into the Paris dive computer and gauges revealed that they had dove to a depth of about 233 feet, or 71 meters, where they finally ran out of air. Dylan had apparently run out of air first because his father had deployed a long breathing hose that allowed his son to breathe from his tank. Robert Brooks, who was one of the recovery divers and a friend of Darren's, said it appeared as though the two were racing to get back to their spare tanks which they had placed at a depth of about 130 feet or 39.6 meters and they nearly made it back but Darren's body came to rest next to those tanks. But just because they reached these spare tanks doesn't mean that they were home free just yet. Because of the depth that they had reached, the pair would have needed about an hour to decompress, rising slowly enough so that the air didn't form bubbles inside their blood. They didn't appear to have adequate air in their tanks for this process, Robert said. Not only did the father-son duo not plan enough air, they faced another deadly problem. At the depth that they were diving at, they should have been using some form of Trimix air, but instead they were only using simple compressed air. As I've talked about on previous episodes, if you plan to dive deep, not only do you need the proper qualifications and training, but you also need the right air mixture. Normal compressed air consists of about 21% oxygen and 79% nitrogen. With this normal compressed air, oxygen toxicity can occur if you dive past 180 feet or about 55 meters, and therefore a special air mixture is needed and it's often referred to as trimix. 
There's different variations of Trimix, and they all contain the same amount or less oxygen than normal compressed air that shallow recreational divers use. This Trimix air has a pretty self-explanatory name because it contains a third gas, helium. Helium is an inert gas, meaning that it doesn't react with our bodies the way that oxygen or nitrogen does. Although Trimix comes in different variations, the most commonly used one is a 2135, meaning 21% oxygen, 35% helium, and 44% nitrogen. In order to reach deeper parts, like the deepest section of the eagle's nest sinkhole, divers might want to use a 1070 mixture, meaning 10% oxygen, 70% helium, and 20% nitrogen. Without this special mixture on deep dives, divers are prey to oxygen toxicity and nitrogen narcosis. But just as a reminder, divers will need to complete numerous tech courses in order to be able to use this type of air mixture. But unfortunately, this father-son duo did not have the qualifications necessary to do this kind of dive. Darren's fiance, Holly King, told reporters that, quote, the top thing on their minds was safety. They never pushed it. Darren loved his family and loved his kids and wouldn't risk anything, end quote. But I personally find that very hard to believe. And I apologize because I try to keep my personal opinions out of these episodes and cases as much as possible. But what you're about to find out directly opposes what Holly says. Although Darren had been a certified diver for nine years prior to his death, he was not a certified cave diver. On top of that, to make matters worse, Darren's 15-year-old son, Dylan, wasn't even certified at all. According to Dylan's mother, Sylvia, Darren spent hours going over dive manuals with Dylan, spending time in the pool together, and planned to get Dylan certified. But at the time of his death, Dylan had never completed an appropriate diving course. Now, I want you to think about rock climbing, skydiving, or any other kind of thrill-seeking hobby. I'm sure that you would agree that these kinds of hobbies can be very, very dangerous, especially if you don't know what you're doing. But with proper training, you can help reduce those risks and make the hobby very enjoyable. Scuba diving is no different. When this incident occurred, it sparked fury in the diving community. Majority of divers are safe and would never even think about going beyond their limits. But just like with anything else, there are a few outliers. Those are the ones that get themselves killed, and unfortunately, in this case, he took his son down with him. Brett Hemphill, who is the president of the Karst Underwater Research Group, says, quote, Whenever there's a cave diving fatality, the general public will go, Oh, I would never do that, so close it. End quote. A change.org petition for this dive site says, quote, How many more lives need to be lost for this place to be closed? End quote. 
and Dr. Andrew Pitkin, one of Brett's colleagues at the Karst Underwater Research Group, says, quote, It's natural to want to blame something, the evil cave, for what happened. But it's not appropriate any more than it's appropriate to blame a mountain that someone falls off. They say, it's a mountain, what do you expect? It's like a stroll in the park for us, really. If you know what you're doing, it's as safe as any other cave. End the problem, they say, is few divers really know what they're doing. Caves are not simply the next-level dives for scuba-certified divers. The overhead environment of a cave like Eagle's Nest means that there's only one way out, and that exit can be hard to find even with a guide wire. The caves are pitch black, and while some portions are so narrow divers must squeeze through them, other sections are large enough that you can drive a tractor trailer through. They are also full of rushing waters. Sometimes the currents are so strong that divers sometimes use underwater scooters to help pull themselves along. Every fin stroke can kick up silt, turning those crystal clear caves into blinding paths. Dr. Pitkin says, we have a healthy fear of the environment. Fear might be a strong word, but profound respect. I try to stress safety aspects in the podcast as much as possible. Scuba diving is safe if you know what you're doing and you know your limits. Sometimes you have to swallow your pride or your adventurous needs if you're not feeling well. If you didn't sleep right the night before, you're exhausted, you didn't eat well, or maybe you drank too much, you need to listen to your body and make the call. But on top of all of it, you need to be properly trained. You need the right equipment, the right gas. Darren and Dylan did not have the right training or the right air. They should have never entered those caves. That is what ultimately killed them. While I'll never personally go cave diving, I do love diving and I highly recommend anyone and everyone who's healthy enough to go get certified. With proper training, you'll be aware of all the potential issues and how to avoid them or correct them. Please don't let stories like this one about inexperienced and unqualified divers scare you away from diving. There are plenty of great things to see within 30 feet or 9 meters under the surface in open water. You don't need to go into these deep, dark caves to get a great experience. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. I'm your host, Alex, and if you have any questions about this week's episode, you can head over to my Instagram page, at NarcosisPod, or our Discord server. If you want to support the podcast, there's always Patreon or sharing the podcast with a friend. The Patreon is just $3 a month or the price of one coffee, and you get access to a lot of perks such as voting on what to hear next, exclusive updates, a shout-out at the end of the next episode, and 10% off podcast merchandise. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all next week.